hope this stirring hearts are yearning for you we long for you because when we see you we find strength to face the day in your presence all our fears are washed away, washed away. Hosanna, Hosanna, you are the God who saves us, worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, 
God who saves us, worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna, come have your way among us, we welcome you here, Lord Jesus. I've been wanting to bring up. I've been wanting to bring out to sing a song for a while. Um, my good friend and student here, Zach Rogers, he's going to come out and sing a song for us. It's a new one for us called "Glorious Day," and I'm going to try to unplug myself enough to get out of his way.
your mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all that I know. circumstances in our lives <laughs> and from his perspective he sees it all and so we want to praise the Lord today we want to honor the greatness of our Lord let's give him a praise let's actually uh, clap our hands for him let's praise the Lord for him he's the only one who deserves our honor and our glory and we think about that when you're when you're singing it's just you and him it's not about the people in this room if we can just worship him as if we can actually see him on a throne, sitting up high, let's remember his greatness this morning.
turned into wine. You open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no
this morning. Amen. 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 Before you're seated this morning, I want to invite all the children to come forward. We're going to pray for you little guys. So come on and kneel up here and it's time to behave. Okay, time to be quiet. When we pray, we're, we're quiet and we respect the Lord with our attention and with our silence. That's how we respect God. Altars are also open for anybody that needs to come and you need to pray. Maybe there's a burden that's on your heart, something that you need to give to God. The Bible says that we ought to cast all of our cares upon him, the very fact that he cares for us. And so if you have something like that, maybe there's someone that you need to pray for. You need to intercede on their behalf, and we'd like to invite you to come uh, to do that as well if you feel the need to do so. If not, you may be seated in the congregation as we go to prayer. Lord, we're grateful this morning for the opportunity to come and worship you. We're grateful for this time that we have that you furnish for us. And here in America, sometimes I don't think we are grateful enough. At least we don't show that gratitude like we should. Especially considering in different parts of the world, you'll have people that are incarcerated for their faith. Or maybe they're even killed because they believe in you. And here we have the opportunity anytime we want to express our faith. We can share our faith without fear of reprisal. And we sometimes have not given you the credit that you deserve, the gratitude that your great name deserves. And so we want to thank you this morning. We want to lift up to you this morning, Lord God, groups of people in El Paso, as well as those people in Dayton, Ohio, that overnight there was also yet another shooting. We don't know really, God, what compels someone to go and do these evil, despicable things, except that there's evil in the world, that the devil is the ruler of the, of the air here in the, in the realm that we live, Lord God. He is doing his level worst to try to destroy that which is the most important to you, and that's mankind. And so what we want to do this morning, Lord God, is to pray for your comfort upon all of those people that lost loved ones. Those people that were going to Walmart just to go shopping one Saturday morning and not realizing that that would be the last time that they would say goodbye to their loved ones if they even did at all. And now all of the aftermath, all of the things that these people are having to deal with, Lord God, we pray for your Holy Spirit where the devil will want to try to divide and try to, especially in this country right now as the division is, is taking place and it's running rampant, it's almost like a virus. Maybe we've never even been as divided as we are in this time that we've ever been. God, would you unite us? That it doesn't matter what side of the political realm we're on. It doesn't matter the fact that there's different colors and ethnicities, God that none of these things matter, that we could come together as a people and that we would be able to stand as one people against evil in the world. And the way that we do that, Lord God, is not with a political statement. The way we do that is through your love. Your love will help us to overcome all of these potential walls and barriers and divisions pray, God, that you would use 
God-fearing people in El Paso and Dayton to come and share the love of Jesus with all so that maybe, just maybe, we might be able to see really what's going on. It's not about guns. It's not about even mental illness as much as it's about people falling in love with you and your Holy Spirit invading the thoughts and the hearts, the politics that all of us, Lord God, we have, that you would be able to inform all those things by your grace. We want to lift up these little children to you right now, Lord God, and we thank you for them. We pray that your Holy Spirit would just minister to their little hearts, that through our leaders, our teachers, that they'd be able to receive from you, that they'd be able to draw from your Holy Spirit, that your word would penetrate them, and that at an early age, they're being raised up in the way that they should go, so that when they're older, they won't depart from it. We love you this morning, Lord God. We pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through the word, that as we hear your word this morning, regardless of how much I might have to look in the mirror and change, that I would be open on the basis that you know what's best for me. You know what I need better than I do. Help us to be open to your word this morning. As the ushers are coming forward to receive tithes and offerings, we pray, oh Father, that you would use every single gift, that you would bless every single giver, that there would be the opportunity, Lord God, to take these resources and to use them for your glory and the expansion of your kingdom. For we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Good job, kiddos. Appreciate you. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you this morning in God's house. We're glad that you're here, and we're glad that our visitors, those of you that are visiting for the first time, that you're here with us, and we hope that you make yourself at home as we're getting ready to get in the Word. I have some announcements that I need to share, and uh, we have some other things that we're going to be doing this morning, but nonetheless, we, uh, we want to recognize some people. And so what I'm going to do right now is um, Brother David Corbett and some of those that are on the uh, daycare uh, board, if you'd come up and join him. Uh, what we have this morning is bittersweet in that we have our first ever daycare director from its inception. Uh, we're going to um, just recognize her as she's getting ready to make a transition in her life, how God does those kinds of things where um, there's going to be transition in, in his church, that uh, those seasons. And uh, so I'm going to hand the, the, uh, the floor over to our brother, and it's all yours. Is the light on? There you go. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, we wanted to take this opportunity today to kind of give you an update on the Kingdom Kids uh, daycare. Uh, as you know, as some of you know, may know, that we started the daycare uh, in about January or so of 2017. So we're working on our third year. And we've only had, as Pastor said, one director during that time. 
and it was uh, Carrie Horn. She got us started up to speed. We started with zero children, and uh, now we're at about 40. We're approved for or we're approved for a lot more, but we we would like to have around 50. But we're good at 40. Uh, that that works good. We're well staffed. We have all the teachers we need at this point, and uh, as the pastor said. Carrie is stepping down as the director, and uh, we have a candidate uh, for to become the director. And I would ask you to pray for that process. There's some details that need to be worked out there. And uh, in the meantime, uh, Miss Anna Ortiz is going to help us uh, during this transition time, and we appreciate her willingness to uh, to do that. So, uh, Carrie, uh, why don't you come up? We have a couple of board members that couldn't be here today. But uh, we want to let you know that we love you. We appreciate Thank all you. that you've done uh, getting us up and running as we are and uh, doing a great job. And we wanted to present you with a, a little uh, plaque there and a stand to put mm. it on. And I, I, I promised that we wouldn't make you talk. And uh, <laughs> so uh, we, want, we wanted to thank you very much uh, for what you've done. Thank you. What we do, what we want to do real quick, if you don't know, you can't go anywhere. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. And the three of you, if we, if we just all of us come around and you can put your hands out. We have a, a rationale for what God does with regard to um, the transition, the seasons that we have in our lives. We want to send people with a blessing. Regardless of what they're, you know, leaving, we know that God has something great for them moving forward and we want to pray that blessing so when we go to prayer if you if you want to and you feel inclined to do so just raise your hand and extend it up here and we'll just agree in prayer that God would just bless our sister she's done a remarkable job and uh, even through all the obstacles and many of us know those obstacles over the time that she's been the director and she hasn't wavered she hasn't been anybody at all that has complained or whined or None of that. She's been somebody that carried the load. She took the ball and crossed the goal line uh, time and time again. And we're grateful to the Lord for her. So let's, let's uh, take this time to pray for our sister. And if you'd bow your heads with me and uh, if you want to extend your hands, we'll go ahead and pray for our sister right now. Lord God, we thank you so much for Carrie and her family. And we know, Lord, that you have great things in store for her. And as much as she was able to embark on an adventure back in January 2017 to um, to start this daycare, God, you know, a lot of times, like, what are we doing? Well, Lord, you'll show us. And you are faithful, Lord. And, um, and we know that moving forward, you're going to continue to be faithful to her because there's going to be those times in her life. She said, Lord, what are we doing? And you're going to come alongside and say, just trust me, I got you. And so regardless of what that looks like, Lord, moving forward, we do pray for her. We pray for wisdom and we pray for discernment that your Holy Spirit would help her, Lord, to know uh, what course to take. And I know that she's in a, in a fight, but she's a fighter and she's good at it. And so, God, the best part about all that is that even as good as she is, you're better. And so as much as she'll stay close to you, she's going to, uh, she's going to overcome. She's going to prevail, Lord God, by your grace. So we pray for her, Lord God, that you would continue to encourage her, help her, Lord God, through the tough times, and may she be able to recognize the good times so that she'll be able to give you the praise and the glory, and that she'd be able to always 
look to her Redeemer, Lord, because you're the one, ultimately, who will always uh, be there for her, never failing her, never forsaking her. And so we're grateful for her and her family. We pray for blessings upon her in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. For we pray all these things, of course, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Let's hear it for Miss Carrie. Amen. All right. So we still have one more thing that we're going to do, kind of in the same vein. Uh, I'd like uh, Brother Mason uh, to come on up here. and Yes, Brother, come on up here, both of you. And kind of the same way that I wanted to kind of hand the mic off to Brother David, I'm going to do the same. Brother Clark, he's been in your ministry, also been in your, um, uh, in your, in your school, right, at, at the college there. So share with us. Well, we're just real thankful for Mason Elliott here. Uh, <clears throat> I met Mason when we were doing a thing at MCC. He's called a jury. Sounds pretty serious. And the students, you know, don't like it either. But there's this panel of teachers, and we sit and listen to students come in. They play their final exam for their, for their uh, music lesson. Mason played his final for his bass thing, and I'd never seen him before, met him before. I thought, wow, he's pretty good. So I asked him, hey, Mason, uh, you play anywhere on Sundays or whatever? He's, uh, I, remember, I don't remember what you said, but I thought, gosh, i got to call that guy. i got to call that guy. And so Mason was kind enough to come in and start playing with us. We'd, we lost our bass play, player, Luis, and Mason's just been steady Freddy. He comes in, he's on time every Sunday, He's very teachable. He listens to whatever I have, suggestions I have. Uh, he, he's gotten better every week. And uh, just his, his uh, heart of just humility, not needing to be out front, not to have any solos, just playing that bass and working with Jerry. That's just part of the music. You know, we, there's, a, there's a sound that you're used to hearing and we get used to as we're worshiping, and there's, little, there's just little parts that go in to make that sound work so that we can kind of lift our, our heads and our hearts and our, our spirits into the words and the music. And he's just, he's just one of the guys that has been here to, to help us with that, and we just wanted to say thank you. He's going off to school at UTA. It's just last Sunday where this, we're going to miss Mason. Just a little thank you for the worship team, and uh, may God bless you richly as you go into this new exciting season of your life. Thank you, Mason. Ah, you're not going anywhere. We're going to pray for you, my brother. I told you, right? I warned you. <laughs> so the first time I ever saw Mason, I thought, man, he just makes that look easy. Just, I wish I could do that. Like, I mean, if I did that, you guys would have to go running in different directions because I have, like, no musical talent. And, uh, but I know it sounds good, and uh, we're so grateful. But even beyond your gifting and, um, you know, the talent and all of that stuff. Uh, I love your spirit. Love your spirit. I mean, you know, humility that when you're talking about musicians sometimes, there's not always humility, unfortunately. But with Mason, there's both of those. And I'm so grateful for you. And so we're going to pray a blessing over you. And uh, same kind of thing we did for Miss Carrie. If you'll agree with the prayer, you feel inclined to, you know, stretch your hand out, we're going to pray a blessing over our brother, okay? Lord, we thank you so much uh, for Brother Mason. And I know that the same kind of prayer for Carrie, how there's seasons in our lives that you're going to uh, pave the way for our brother as he goes to Arlington, that there's a lot of ministry needs to be done up there. And I pray, God, that, that he would seek your pleasing and perfect will. Of course, there's school, and he's going to do that. But I'm talking about the side of ministry. There's a lot of ministry that needs to be done. 
And we pray, God, that you would guide him, direct him to the place where he should go and serve. The same way that he blessed us and blessed you in here, that there would be a similar place for him to do the same thing there and even increase it, that in an increasing measure he'd be able to make an impact for your kingdom. We thank you, God, for him. We pray that you guard his heart, that no matter what he encounters, uh, different dynamic there, different stimuli, God, that you would help him to know that if he stays close to you and if he'll hide your word in his heart, that he won't sin against you. And so we pray, God, that he would continue in that trend and even increase it. We love you. We thank you for him. And we pray for blessings in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, we do pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Love you, bro. God bless you. Praying for you, man. All right. All right. Well, we're grateful for God's people, those that serve, um, those people that make a difference in in the church and in the ministries of the church. So, um, you know, when someone leaves, then, of course, Carrie's not leaving the church. She's just only leaving the daycare. She's going to do something else. Um, there's always holes to be filled. And we talk about, you know, there's a potential daycare director waiting, uh, training, interviewing, all that. Um, we realize that life goes on, uh, that, you know, the ministry has to march forward. And I've realized that in all the different places where I've been, where I've contended with the Lord and said, God, what's going to happen with the church I'm, I'm leaving? And, you know, I, I, I don't know if I can leave that church because it's, it, you know, I know what you're saying to me, but what about them? And he's like, you big dummy. I was there before you ever got there. And I'm going to be there long after you're gone. Those people don't belong to you. That ministry doesn't belong to you. They're all mine. And so you get to do what I'm telling you to do. And so the same holds for any other ministry holds that we have in the church. Uh, how many of us have ever thought, oh, man, we can't do without that daycare director. Or we can't do without that children's ministry director or that youth pastor or that worship pastor. And we think those kinds of things. We can't lose them. But it's amazing that when God does these kinds of things, he calls other people forward to fill those gaps. And that's how the kingdom, frankly, has marched forward from the beginning. And, uh, you know, if you were to even go back before the advent of the church and you went into the Old Testament, you realize about all these people, there was these transitions, you know, Abraham, then to Isaac, and then to Jacob. You talk about that there was, you know, um, Moses, and then, of course, there was Joshua. If you thought about the prophets, there was Elijah, and then there was Elisha. We could keep going and going and going. But see, the, the, the constant in all of this is not me, is not you. The constant is God in us, God through us. And so that's how we march it forward. And so that's why it's imperative that guys listen, that you're constantly investing in other people, that you're sharing your faith, that you're able to win people to Christ, that you're then even following up with discipleship. These are the kinds of things that frankly keep the church going. If at any point any of us in the generations drop the ball in that discussion, that's when the church will begin to die off. And so let's not let that happen in our generation. And if you agree with that, say amen. amen. All right. So that was free. That was a public service announcement. When I was coaching basketball, I remember that there was um, in the different teams that you coach sometimes, uh, they have different dynamics. You might have a, a, a team of people that maybe they're mediocre 
in their ability. You know, there's nothing that stands out. Um, but they might be really hard workers, you know. And so um, you, you begin to try to cultivate uh, from that good work ethic um, some good things, you know, that maybe you can begin to improve. You kind of have this realization after the first practice, maybe the first week of practice, that maybe we're not going to be, you know, upper echelon. Uh, we might be, you know, somewhere in the middle. There have been times even when we realized we might win a couple of games this year, uh, and that would be, you know, something. You just really kind of don't know what you're going to be handed, especially like if you're coaching in public school where, where I was coaching, you kind of got what you got. In New Mexico where I was coaching basketball, uh, you weren't allowed to recruit. And uh, so I don't know, you know, from state to state, high school coaches, you know, kind of what they're supposed to do and not do. But in New Mexico, we weren't allowed to go to the middle schools and start to try to recruit players. If we saw good players playing at that level, we weren't trying to, you know, bring them into our school. Hey, this guy's good. Let's get him in. That was against the rules. We weren't allowed to do that. And uh, so you got what you got. And um, there was one particular year where we really had some talented kids. It was just a uh, probably about a two-year span where they came in as ninth graders uh, and then the next year those guys were sophomores and then the new ninth graders that that window these kids were good they had talent they could really handle the ball they good shooters um, we were pretty big we had size and and so that was a blessing and I thought well this is gonna be great this is gonna be outstanding you know I can't even wait to coach these guys but one thing that you have with talent sometimes is trying to manage egos. Because these kids are growing up with everybody telling them how good they are. Their parents tell them, man, you're outstanding, you're amazing, you should be doing this, and you should be leading this way, and you should be scoring this many points. Then there are all the people that are around them when they play AAU, some of the different uh, uh, tournaments and things like that, and all these people are in their ear telling them how good they are. And this starts earlier and earlier. I haven't coached now in about... 25 years but going back even in those days there were a lot of people telling them how wonderful and how how talented they were so now you have a coach who in me who's kind of a disciplinarian I'm a kind of guy that I want to bring out the best out of you and I don't believe that you've hit that ceiling yet in fact in my opinion you're just scratching the surface that you actually don't even know uh, what I know in my pinky that you think you know and so trying to convince these young people uh, who already have these egos that they have to work, that they're going to have to, you know, try to go above and beyond what they think that, that they've accomplished was a difficult task. Because what would happen is we might chew on somebody during a practice and then they go home and they cry to their parents that coach was mean or coach was tough. And then the next thing I have is a meeting with one of the parents well, why were you so hard on little Johnny? And what was the issue that you had with, you know, the other one and this one and how come, and, and all of it. And I remember having to have discussions with some parents. Listen, I'm not changing. Um, this is going to be the way that it's going to go. And if you feel like your kids uh, are not going to flourish under this kind of a leadership, well, then maybe you should go somewhere else. And I had those discussions. The next thing that happens, now I'm having a discussion with athletic director who's kind of my boss, and now we're having a meeting, and he's saying, well, why are you, you know, doing this, and why are you saying this, and why did you have this meeting with this parent? Listen, when you brought me in, you kind of knew what you were getting. This is who I am. This is what we're going to do. And if everybody would buy in, 
then we can have something special. And it, I'm not talking about a trophy. I'm not talking about championships. I'm talking about young men developing and, and learning work ethic and lear learning character so that it will go well beyond when they leave high school. It will serve them well when they become young men in the community and husbands and dads and leaders in the community. These are life lessons that we're trying to teach here beyond basketball. And the athletic director, fine. I trust you. got your back. So we started to train these kids. We had maybe a couple that left. But what was interesting about this group of kids that we were able to communicate a philosophy. We were wanting to uh, have these people understand that it wasn't about me. It wasn't about I. It's about us. It's about team. It's about the greater good as we understand the greater good. And when we were able to kind of convey these things and these kids understood the value. Now, this is critical, you guys, and I hope that you're listening to what I'm saying because this doesn't even just uh, correspond to a team concept. Sports, sometimes I wonder if people in sports understand this better. I think sometimes they're more open to the, to the hard work, sometimes the accountability, and sometimes even the criticism. Then the people of God who we know better, we're supposed to know better, amen? Uh, sometimes I wonder if they understand that in the context. I, and here's why I say this. Let's say, for instance, in the, the arena of sports and team concept, I have to get in somebody's face and light them up. These kids would, would take it. They would sap it up with a biscuit and gravy, kind of like... Because what they understood is that they weren't doing something to the level that we wanted them to do. We, we committed to a certain approach. And when that didn't happen, we're going to call you out. We weren't going to take you behind closed doors and do it so that nobody's going to get embarrassed because, you know, we don't want to do that. We're going to call you out right now, right here, and be in front of the whole team. And those kids would not have their bottom lips sticking out, whining and complaining about, Coach was mean to me. Can you believe how he treated me? You know what would happen? Yes, sir. You got it, Coach. And they'd go to the spot, and they'd do exactly what I asked them to do. And then, you, you know, guess what? I was the guy that probably was the loudest to celebrate that they did the thing right. And all of a sudden, then, people are understanding, listen, this guy will get on you, but he's also the guy that will sing your praises if you do it right. He'll be your biggest cheerleader. In the church, sometimes, we don't ever get the opportunity to be their biggest cheerleader because they don't embrace the discipline. We don't embrace the accountability. And I think it's because we don't understand. See, we needed these kids to buy in. As talented as they were, they needed to buy into this, this mentality that there's so much work that needs to be done. And I need to bring my talent under the umbrella of this leadership, of this philosophy, so that I can grow, so that I can get better. Because I don't want to just stay ninth grade level, 10th grade level good. I want to hopefully take my, my level to a place where maybe there's some college scouts that would say, I want that guy. What's his name? They understood. They bought in. 
Now, in the terms of the church, what are we living for? What are we supposed to be living for? There's coming a day when our name's going to be called. We'll breathe our last. It'll be done. We'll open our eyes, and there will be Jesus. How many of you guys are excited about that? Anybody excited about that? I can't even imagine. Glistening white. The most beautiful face we've ever set our eyes on. And we're living so that we can hear those words. Well done, you good. You good and faithful servant. Enter in my rest. Come on in. Come on, baby. We, th- I mean, this is, this is it. This is what we live for. This is what we're supposed to be living for. Do we understand this morning that God is not finished with not one of us? We might be talented to the nines. Although people that think that they're talented to the nines really don't get it. I'm pretty good. God is totally blessed to have someone like me in the church. People don't say that, but they act like that. But we understand, man, God's not finished with me. What I want to talk to you about this morning has to do with We've been in in this topic of of worry and anxiety and fear and all these things that grip us. And so we've been able to diagnose what it is in human beings where we we just really fret and we we struggle. And and there's all of this kind of thought life and emotions that really dominate us. And they hold us hostage and they pin us down. That's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. And the diagnosis for sure, we've been able to find in Scripture why it happens and, and that, you know, that people can fall prey to that. They can cave into that temptation. So we've been talking about that. But sometimes people will say, well, okay, that's great, but what's the answer? What can I do so that I can resist that temptation to worry, to have fear, to have anxiety in these crisis moments? What can I do... So that I can prevail. I, I want to I beat it. I don't want to live there. I want to overcome. And by the way, it's God's will that you overcome. It's his will for that very thing to happen in your life, especially over and above fear. The Bible says this in 1 John chapter 4, that perfect love casts out all fear. I'm going to repeat that again, and I want it to soak in. I want it to seep in. I want it to permeate your thoughts your heart, your emotions, everything about you. That perfect love, God's perfect love, casts out all fear. All of it. The question that I have for you this morning, do you know that love? I'm not talking about that you've heard about that love. I'm talking about that you personally know that love. Your purpose on the planet, my purpose on this planet, is to love God and to be loved by God. 
That supersedes all the other things that you think you're on the planet for. This morning, I had a discussion with my kids. Me and my boys were driving to church. Jennifer had come in early for practice. So I have the boys. And we're driving to church, and I said, why do you guys think we're on the planet? Why do you think we're here? And they both kind of pondered the thought. And Ezra pipes up with, to live for God. And I thought, man, he's a little guy and he gets it. My purpose on the planet, I love my wife. She's the best thing that's ever happened to me except for Jesus. She's the best mate I could ever have. I love her with all my heart. I do. But I'm not called primarily to be her husband. How many of us have ever misunderstood the purpose? Every person here who's married, you have a spouse. And that spouse, the reason you're married to them is to clear the path for them to be able to know Jesus. Not to provide for them, not to give them happy times, not to give them kisses and hugs. And we like all those things and there's nothing wrong with those, but that's not primary. Husbands, let me just say this. If you're a stumbling block to your wife's faith, you're living out of purpose. If you make it difficult for your wife to be in church or to serve God or to serve in ministry, you are a stumbling block to her. And I don't do this because I'm not a politician. I do this because he does this with me too. I have to do this, all of us. Is there anybody, don't raise your hand this morning, but maybe you've been a stumbling block to your wife, husbands. It should be the opposite. If I live in purpose, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to grab a hold of whatever it is that is a, a stumbling block, and I'm going to, I won't throw it, I promise. But I need to clear the path so that my wife has this opportunity to run to Jesus. Wives don't get off the hook. Are you someone as a wife that makes it difficult for your husband to love Jesus? with your attitude, with your disposition, with your lack of support, with your bad attitude, with your laziness. Those apply to the men too, by the way. But ask yourself the question. I mean, have you ever thought about this? Here's something to think about. Is it possible that your lack of prayer even though you don't even realize it, but your lack of prayer and, and devotional life with God is creating a stumbling block to your family. Because we don't think about that, but it's, it's a fact. If there's prayerlessness in your family, it doesn't start with the kids. It's got to start with the husband. You're the priest of the home. If you're a husband this morning and you're not praying and you're not reading your Bible, stop. Repent. And make it right. And start leading by example. 
And then you give them leadership. Everybody else in your home, you give them inspiration to follow that leadership. You don't even have to urge them. You don't have to coax them. You don't have to convince them. All you have to do is give them an example that's inspirational. I want to follow that. These kids that we had, I mean, I'm telling you, they were ultra talented. And, and it was amazing because we had one guy, we actually had a couple guys that were really good shooters. You guys know what a point guard is? Anybody know what a point guard is? A point guard's the, the, usually the smallest guy, the best ball handler in your team. He's usually the quarterback of the team as it pertains to basketball. He calls the plays. He's the one that runs the show. He's a really good shooter, really good shooter. We had another guy who was playing on the wing, and he was a great shooter as well. They were both very good. But what we needed to do is create roles. And so in the creation of a role, I say, listen, you're the point guard. Be, before I need you to shoot, I need you to pass. Before I need you to shoot, I need you to make sure that all the guys are where they're supposed to be before you run the offense. That's what I need you to do. And then if there's a shot after that, great, take the shot. But I need you to take that responsibility utmost importance. That's what I need you to do. Would you do that? You got it, coach. These guys watched this point guard because they all knew. They played together in middle school. They played together in AAU. They saw him. They knew his talent. And he would pass on shots to create shots for other people. And they watched him do that. The other teammates watched him do that. We had another guy. He was kind of a big guy. Big guy. Big guy. Big guy. You think that's funny, but for basketball, that can be a good thing, right? When you box out, that's a good thing. And I told him, this is what I need you to do. I need you to go and get five fouls every game. Five fouls. You get five fouls, and then you're out, right? So I said, I need you to get five fouls every game. What that means is that I need you to go in there and be physical. You go bang on their big guy. You go push him out. And, and if, the, if the refs call you out in the first quarter for five fouls, well, then so be it. Be smart about it. But we want you to just bang people, you know, go get rebounds. And he says, I, you got it, coach. And he took pride in that. It was amazing. He, he goes in there, and he's banging on people. And, and, and you know, one game had like 14 rebounds, I think it was. And it was amazing. It was so cool to watch. And these play, here's what's happening. Watch, listen. These players are beginning to understand under the philosophy of what we're trying to do, they're starting to understand their role. They embrace their role. What does this have to do with worry, pastor? It has everything to do with worry. If we talked about at the beginning, we were in Matthew, remember, and Jesus says, don't worry. Be happy. No, I'm just kidding. Don't worry. How do we not worry? He says, seek first, what? His kingdom and his righteousness. And then all the other things, they'll be added to you as well. You know what these kids begin to understand? If I'll understand the philosophy of what we're trying to do here, and I'll embrace my role, not complain about it, not whine about it, but flourish in the role that I've been given. I'm going to go in here, get five fouls, get rebounds, bang on people. I'm going to do that to the utmost of my ability. I'm not going to worry about shots. I'm not going to worry about scoring. If it comes, great. And that guy got some rebounds and put him right back up and got his points. But it wasn't because he was looking for his points. He understood his role. What does this have to do with worry? Here's the deal. You are out of purpose. We're going to talk about purpose today. What is your purpose? Your purpose on the planet, it's not to be a wife or a husband primarily, although we're grateful to God that he gives us a role like that. 
Our role is not to be a firefighter or a police officer or a lawyer or a doctor or a whatever it is that you do. That's not your primary purpose on the planet. Now, how many of us have been focused on those things? Don't tell me what the right answer is. Tell me, better yet, look in the mirror and do an introspection about what you've really been doing. I've been focused on this. I've been trying to be the best lawyer or the best dad or the best husband. And that's what I've been. And, and you know what's been kind of just lacking is you haven't been the best son or daughter of the most high God. And that's number one. That has to be number one. This is why we worry. If you recall in the book of Acts, let's go to the book of Acts. Are you with me this morning? All right. So we're going to be actually in chapter 5. There's these guys, Ananias and Sapphira, the husband and wife. You guys know the story. Some of you maybe have read it before. Ananias and Sapphira. Now, in the early church, you had where the gospel was being spread. There was this, this you know, amazing movement of the Holy Spirit through the early apostles, early believers, and God was beginning to use them to spread the gospel. And they were under this impression, now that, of course they got it from Jesus, that if they could spread the gospel to every single corner of the world, that he would hasten his return. That there would be this opportunity for us to leave this place and to go be with him. They really believed it. Now the reason I say really believed it is because I don't, I don't see the same consistency that we had in the first century as we do here. And here's why I say this. Is that, for instance, if we really believed that if we could get off into every single corner of the world and share the gospel with every single creature that Jesus would come back, then we would actually be doing that. That would be the, the thing at the forefront of our mind, of our list, of our priority. Right? But we're not doing that. Instead, we're, we're spending all of our efforts on all the other things that pertain to the system of this world. They, they took it so seriously that at the end of chapter 4, you had people, the Bible says that you had people that, this guy Barnabas is one of them, that they took their properties and they went and sold them. Like they, they went and got a, their, their house, their condominium. They, they went in whatever kind of property that they had, they took it and they sold it for the express purpose of giving it to the apostles. Hey, listen, we need to fund this. It's going to require resources. I have resources. I'll sell that. Boom. Lay it at your feet. And you guys can do whatever you feel like needs to be done with it to grow the kingdom. You think about kingdom people. People that all they care about is advancing the kingdom. When, when these people were doing all these sorts of things, they weren't worried about their own bottom line. They were focused on what? Purpose. They were focused on what's important to God. And it, may, it was important to them. They bought in. Here's the umbrella, right? Here's the philosophy. Here's the, 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 the mission. Here's what we're supposed to be. This is what we're about. 
I don't know that maybe we need to do this in church all, all over again. Churches meet for all kinds of reasons, and they forget why that they're there. They forget why they go. Why do you come? Why are you here? The Bible says that my job as a pastor is to equip you for works of ministry. That's my job. That's my primary job, is to equip you guys. Why? So that when you go the different corners of the world that you go, you're about the mission. Let me ask you the question this morning. When's the last time that you took that mission seriously? When's the last time that you shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone? And if you did, when's the last time that you won somebody to Christ? You led them through the sinner's prayer, and now they're in the kingdom because of your willingness to invest in them. And let's say that you even won them to Christ. Did you disciple them? And then all of a sudden we look in the mirror and we realize the mission is not important like it should be to me. And let me just say this before you, everybody gets all disheartened and discouraged. It's moving. Praise the Lord. You know what that means? Like a message like that for us this morning is not one for us to get downhearted and downcast and dejected, to just lose heart. It's messages like these ones that instigate change. That we say, you know what, I'm just, I, I know what I've been doing. But I know what I'm supposed to do moving forward. I know that. And I'm going to start in that direction to change my corner of the world. Could you imagine if that was on your mind? Every waking moment you're thinking, you know what, who's the next person that I could tell about Jesus? You scan in the room and God's like, hey, how about that guy? starts with a smile. It starts with a, a thought about how am I going to take this conversation and turn it to spiritual things. See, that's what kingdom people are. Purpose-driven people are people who understand my purpose on the planet is to be here and to do this. That's my purpose. Where do you work, Sammy? What's it, what's it called? Trico, that's the same place that Charles works, right? Both of you guys work there. What do you guys do there? You, you deliver propane, right? Businesses and, and homes. You guys kind of do the same thing, different areas, different, different places, but that's what you guys do, right? The idea that these two guys work at Trico and they deliver propane driving a truck a person might think, well, the reason they work there is to support their family. That's partly true, but that's not primarily true. Did you know that both of you guys worked there to be missionaries in that field? Every single person that you encounter, every account that you go to deliver propane, there is someone there that needs Jesus. You're pulling up in your truck. You're thinking, i got to take my holes out. i got to attach it, do all the things that I do. I don't know what you do, but I'm pretending. 
Yeah, that's what you're thinking. Are you thinking maybe, oh, it's a hot day in Texas, man. I don't even feel like getting out of this air conditioning to haul this hose. How many of you guys have ever thought that? Oh, man, the hookup's on the other side? Those hoses are heavy, aren't they? You got to haul that thing like that. You're getting a workout. The thought process is not, or maybe it's not, maybe it is, I hope it is. But the thought process isn't like, I wonder who's here that I'm going to tell Jesus about. How you doing? Oh, I'm okay. Oh, you're only okay? Is there anything I could pray about? What can I pray for? See, I, I'm a believer in Jesus. And I've seen him work in my life. Man, he changes stuff. He, he, he just, I mean, like, he, he, he does things that you can't even fathom. And he's done that in my life. And that's why I want to pray for you. Because if I pray, I know God can render a miracle in your life. Would you let me pray with you? What's going on? How hard was that? Do you have to be a theologian to do that? Do you have to be a, a Bible college graduate to do that? No Greek and Hebrew to do that? Could you imagine with your, with your hose, you walk up to the thing and say, hey, let me share some Greek and Hebrew with you. They look at you like, what are you talking about? Sometimes that's a thing that trips people up because the Christians know so much, but they're not practical. But you think about then your own context. Maybe you don't drive a truck and you think, well, who do I have? Is there any, anybody who's just a train conductor and you're just on the train by yourself all day? I would even say that probably somebody like that has somebody they can invest in. Who goes to Starbucks? There's a, and then there's some other liars that aren't willing to raise their hand because they're ashamed that they spend $5 on a foo-foo drink. <laughs> it's okay, no judgment here. <laughs> I just don't understand how people can afford that. Like, they get a $6 drink every day. Don't even do the math. Stop. Stop it. There's people everywhere. They're all around you. Even what the enemy intends for harm or evil or ugly or terrible, God can use for good. This thing that happened in El Paso, man, pray for those people. But do you think there's some people thinking about how evil this world is and where are we going? People that have lost hope. People that are angry and they don't know why. People that are hurt and despondent and they, have, they just live in life and they have no reason for living except that the sun rose and they got to get up. And then it enters brother or sister, God wants to use you. Purpose. You know what we have in the church sometimes? You have people that are disgruntled because I should be serving instead of that one. And I should be the leader of that ministry because I have more talents and gifts than that person has. Can you imagine from God's perspective how ridiculous that that is? What I'm saying is that if you're that kind of a person, that's ridiculous. And if you want to get offended by that, my mom used to say, if the shoe fits, wear it, right? You guys remember that term? Maybe it's time for us to get offended for the right reasons. To say, you know, I'm offended not because, because he said that to me, because that's what I've been to God. And because I've been ineffective in the kingdom. These people, these believers, in the first century could care less about those kinds of things. These people were looking for opportunities to fit in. They were looking for an opportunity to be used. Can you say that about your life? Can I say that about me? Purpose. 
Ask yourself, what is your purpose on this planet? Could you write it down? What's your purpose? It starts with your family. It starts with your, your job. For sure, it means some, whatever's in the church. My purpose as a pastor, no matter where I ever am, no matter who, what con congregation the Lord allows me to, to lead, is to give those people as much of the word as he wants them to have through my talents and gifts. And that's it. And guess what? I'll exhaust that till I can't breathe anymore. What's your purpose? Are you fulfilling it? God loves you. He wants you to be successful in that call. You ever been beating your head up against the wall because the things that you want to be successful in, you haven't been successful? And have you ever pondered the idea that maybe God's saying, you know what, that's not my purpose for you. And you keep trying and trying and trying, and that's not my purpose for you. It never has been. It's only been your purpose. It's only been your idea. Jen, pull up that Oswald Chambers on your phone so I can read it, please. If you don't know Oswald Chambers, Mount Mosper's Highest, it's a devotional book. And you, you, know, you can read whatever devotional book you'd like. But this particular one has changed my life, other than the scripture itself. Thank you. Other than the scripture itself, this has probably been the biggest game changer for my life. It's called My Utmost for His Highest. And the author is Oswald Chambers. And here's what he says today. How many of you guys read Oswald this morning? Anybody? That was a good one. And so I feel like it's imperative to read. Now, the scripture passage is uh, Luke 18.31. And it says, he took the 12 aside. And then that's the end of the quotation because he's going to build on that. Here's what Oswald says. Oh, the bravery of God in trusting us. You ever thought about that? See, because the issue is that God doesn't have to trust any of us. He chooses to. Think about it. He, he Trico, the reason you have your job is not so you can provide for your family. He's entrusted to each of you guys the opportunity to minister to those people. He's saying, hey, I'm going to give you this job so that you can shine me to those coworkers, your boss, and all of these accounts. That's why. Oh, the bravery of God trusting in us. Do you say, but he has been unwise to choose me because there is nothing good in me. And I have no value. That is exactly why he chose you. Wait, what? How many people here are talented? Don't raise your hand. How many of you guys have gifts and skills and great personalities? Big brains. Ministry experience dripping out of your ears. You walk into church, I've been in church for 60 years. Usually people have been 60 years, they're kind of going a little slower, I guess. But We have all these things, and we have all these gifts, and we have all these things, and we think if we, if we have this to bring to the party, God's going to be ultra impressed. He's going to plug us into some ministry. That's how people think. They don't even, they're only thinking about themselves. They're thinking about other people too. I've had people come before me and say, we can't lose this person or lose that person. Or you need to plug this person into this ministry because they really are talented and gifted to do this or that. 
That's how we think. But from that perspective and from the biblical perspective, you know what it looks like? Who's the most humble person, the most unassuming individual, the person that you didn't even see them, you didn't even hear them? Were they in church today? Because they're so humble. Anytime there's something that, that they do, whoopsie, are they okay? You okay? You all right? Oh. She has an excuse with high heels and a baby. I've tripped over nothing and just, I wasn't carrying anything at all. Been there, done that. These people that God wants to use are people who realize about themselves that they have nothing to offer. I have, I'm nothing. I have nothing. I'm just here, a lowly servant. Use me however you want. That's what he's saying. Okay, now. As long as you think that you are of value to him, he cannot choose you. Because you have purposes of your own to serve. But if you will allow him to take you to the end of your own self-sufficiency, he can choose you to go with him to Jerusalem. And that will mean the fulfillment of purposes. Listen to this. And that will mean the fulfillment of purposes which he does not discuss with you. You ever wondered if, if that's true? If that is a true statement that Oswald makes here, why? So that we don't get all full of ourselves thinking that he needs our input. You ought to say amen. You ought to say amen to that because he doesn't need our input. Like his ways are not our ways. They're so much higher than ours. And we come into the, the boardroom with God and we say, well, have you considered this, God? And God's like, well, get out. <laughs> get out of my boardroom. There's the trash. On the way out, take the trash out. He doesn't choose to discuss it with any of us. You know what I think this, this really helps us to understand is that if I will trust God, if I'll live in the purpose, listen, the, the passage that, that I was going to look at today and I was going to really talk about is found in John. I know. I didn't go into Acts, but God is doing whatever he's doing in me and through me. I'm up here to do whatever he wants me so that you guys can get what you need. Turn to John. You can read Acts on your own time. How about that? Acts 5. It's a real cool story. This is the end of John, chapter 21. Verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Purpose. Love Jesus, right? Purpose. He asked him purpose. And then he says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Three times. Primary mission, to love God. When we love God, we feed his sheep. 
We minister to the flock, right? That's what he's saying. That's what's happening. Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is verse 18. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This is John, right? So John is in earshot. They had this rivalry, John and Peter and James. If you recall, they were arguing about who's going to be on the right and the left. You guys remember that? Now, Jesus has just taken the time to reinstate Peter. Like, Peter doesn't deserve this reinstatement. You remember what Peter did on the heels of, of, of that, that whole crucifixion thing? Remember that? He denied the Lord three times. The last that he had seen of Jesus, when Jesus had looked over and seen when the, when the rooster crowed, was that Peter had denied him. His best friend denied him three times that he even knew him. And now Jesus has taken the opportunity it's you and me, baby. It's you and me. And we're gonna, I'm going to reinstate you. I'm going to bring you back into the fold. That's because I love you. Right? You'd think, that's a, that, man, that's all I care about. Instead, what does Peter do? Peter turned and saw the disciple who Jesus loved was following them. And when Peter saw him, verse 21, he asked, what about him? Lord, what about him? This basketball team, these guys didn't care about what these other people were going to do. I have my job. I'm going to do my job. I have my job. This is my job. I have my job. That's my job. There were some people that had a job. This was their job. Get them. Good job. Way to go. That was their job. When everybody on the team understood their job, they focused on their role and they flourished in it. But the problem that we have is when we're looking at other people and we're thinking, what about them? And what about them? And what about him? And what about her? What about my job? What about my, my career? What about who I'm going to marry? What about this? What about that? What about that? Jesus said, seek first, kingdom is righteousness. And what? All the other things, they'll be added to you. You think about why you worry. We're talking about worry today. It's because people are not living in purpose. When they live in purpose, they don't have to worry about stuff. Guess what? If I live on the, on the planet, if, if God says 48 years, that's it. I'm 48 years old right now. And he said 48 years, that's all I want you on the planet for. And he takes me tomorrow. Guess what? I'm living in my purpose. So I don't really care. Of course, I'm going to miss these guys. But I'll be able to cheer them on from heaven. The Bible says there's a great cloud of witnesses <laughs> cheering us on. So guess what? That's what I'd be doing cheering them on. It's up to God whatever he wants to do, but me worrying about what's going to happen to me and what, what happens if this and what happens if that, that's somebody who's living out of purpose. They don't understand. They're short-sighted. They don't understand at all what God is, his will is for them. I'm moving 100 miles an hour. My brain's going faster. I'm telling you, I'm full this morning. And there are people in this room that need to hear this. If you have fear, if you have anxiety, if you have all this stress and you're worried I want to tell you, you're somebody who's living out of purpose. 
You do not understand your purpose for your life. God's purpose, his higher purpose for your life. And I want to give you inspiration this morning that you can redirect your focus off of everything else and everyone else and place it on him, the author and the perfecter of your faith, Jesus Christ. He's got a plan for your life. And you're consumed. We can so easily be entangled with everything going on around us. You ready to meet Jesus? Who's ready to meet Jesus? Anybody? Well, guess what? If you're ready to meet Jesus, get yourself ensconced. Get yourself enveloped in his purpose. Look at what Jesus says. Verse 22. If I want him to remain until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. I love Jesus because he doesn't doesn't play. Jesus doesn't play. He looks at someone, he loves Peter, but he's going to tell him the truth. What's it to you? Mind your own business. Focus on what you're supposed to be doing. What What are you worried about him for? These basketball teams, I'm telling you, the ones that did the best were the ones where everybody understood their role. The biggest problems we had were when everybody was worried about the other person and why they're doing what they're doing. And it created so much dysfunction, so many problems. Likewise, in the kingdom, I've wondered about how God looks down on the church, the individuals that are in those churches, and he says, you guys, if you would only just embrace your role. Don't be worried about somebody else. If you've been going to church for three decades and there's a brand new believer that comes in there and then they, they're going to do something in the church, don't worry about that. You do what you're supposed to do. Stay in your own lane. Don't stress out about somebody else. Do, do your job. Are you doing your job well? Maybe there's somebody saying the same thing about you. I've ever wondered, I have enough on my plate that i got to be worrying about someone else. That's why I never even understood in the Old Testament why these dudes would marry more than one wife. (laughs) That's a stupid dude. Just saying. And I have the best wife on the planet. But we we have to work stuff out, right? Could you imagine having more than one Steve? Good grief. (laughs) Bless your heart. Man, I got enough. Listen, I got enough, and I want to flourish in what God has given me. Your job, here's your job. Here's your assignment. Start telling people about Jesus, about the love of Jesus, and begin the process of winning somebody to Christ. And then once you've won somebody to Christ, disciple them. Show them. Teach them. Teach them how to read the Bible. Teach them how to pray. Help them to understand the importance of getting in church. If you got to go pick them up, go pick them up. Sometimes you got to go do that. Tell them it's important to, that they learn how to tithe, that they serve in a church, and they, they're involved in ministry. Give them an example. And so we talk about, okay, great, I've done that. Now go do it again. And again. 
and again. Because Jesus came that all would come to repentance and none would perish. And our purpose on the planet is to love God and be loved by God and then to grow his kingdom. We love God and we know we're loved by God. That's great. Check that off. But to love God is to carry out his commands. Hello? And his commands are not burdensome. Why? Because we love him. You want me to tell somebody? Listen, is there something that you've ever used, a product that you really believe in, and you go tell somebody about, hey, man, you got to, man, you, I'm telling you, if you use this product, it'll make your whites whiter. I'm telling you, you got to go buy it. We do that like nothing. If you saw a movie that you thought was outstanding, you tell, tell people, you got to go check out this movie. It was awesome. We talk about the cowboys. It's coming up. Tell people about anything that we love. Do you love Jesus? Do you? Is it fleshed out in the way that you interact with people? That guy can't shut up about Jesus. Thanks for noticing. You're some kind of Jesus freak. Well, true. Guilty. How are you doing this morning? If you're you're dealing with stress and worry and fear, the best way to overcome that is to go on the offensive. The best way to overcome fear and stress and worry is to go on the offensive by getting in purpose. And letting God worry about the rest. Those are the words of Christ. How many guys believe that Jesus is true? Anybody? Anybody in here think his words are true? That's what he says. Focus on righteousness and his kingdom and all the other stuff. If you're living in purpose, maybe your purpose is to be on the planet for 90 years. Praise God. Maybe your purpose is to go and work in that field for a season, and now it's going to be to work in this field. You're stressing about losing your job, and God's saying, it's my will that you lose your job because i got another field for you. You did your job at that field, and now it's time to go to this field. I'm not afraid. Now, if you don't know Jesus, you ought to be afraid. But if you know Jesus, perfect love casts out all fear. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? As the lights come down. There's freedom in Christ. And we say that and it sounds so cliche. It's trite almost. But it's just true. There's freedom in Jesus. There's peace in knowing him personally and intimately knowing not about him but knowing him that's why we talk about having a personal relationship with him is that you know him that way you know him intimately and personally today this morning there's somebody in this room maybe you don't know him that way you know about him you've heard about him you've been in church 
Let me say that there's absolutely zero shame when you have to come to an altar and you have to say, you know what, Lord? I've known about you, but I want to know you intimately. If you're that kind of a person, the best thing that you could ever do is to get up, to make your way to an altar of prayer and to ask him to come into your heart. That's the best thing that you can do. He sets you free. There are others in here that maybe your issue is that you, you've just been on the wrong on the wrong path. You've been focusing on the wrong things. You've not been living in God's purpose. And if that's who you are this morning, it's time to change that course. Not your wife, not your husband, not your kids, not your job, not your future, not your finances. To love God and be loved by God and to extend the kingdom. And if that has not been your primary objective, there should probably be a lot of people getting up out of chairs right now. Because if that were the case, we'd see a lot more new people in the churches. And if you can't even remember the last person that you told about Jesus or you've never led anybody to Christ, you ought to get up out of your chair right now. But that's between you and God. There's a third person. You're in here this morning and what you realize is that you've been focused on other people. You're trying to run everybody else's race. Peter says, what about him, Lord? What's it to you? Mind your own business. Do your own thing. I already gave you an assignment. Focus on that. And you've developed a bad attitude. You've even kind of just been sidetracked because you're focused on everybody else. And now, this morning, you're realizing I need to just, I need to focus on what God has for me. And if you're one of those people this morning, you need to get up out of your chair and embrace the Lord. And say, God, I want to flourish in the role that you have for me. If you're one of those, I'd like you to just get up and, and meet the Lord. And here's the best part. We get up here and we come to prayer. And God wants to lavish his grace on people who have humble hearts. If you're one of those, any of those three, or maybe there's some other way God spoke to you. And you want to come and pray. Please, please feel free to do that as the worship team sings. Try 
Cause you know what tomorrow brings There's not a day ahead that you have not seen So in all things be my life and breath I want what you want, Lord, and nothing less When you don't move the mountains, I needed you to move When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through When you don't give the answers as I cry out to you I will trust, I will trust stand for prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much that in you we have someone we can trust. And we can trust like we've never trusted. You're God. You're our God. And we're grateful, Lord God, that you have done a work here today. That in men and women and even young people alike, you've spoken. And your promises are true. Everything that we read in that book, we can rely upon. May we put aside our unbelief. Can we just disregard all of the distractions and the hindrances? And could we embrace your plan for our lives? Regardless of what the plan looks like, Lord, and that's the terrifying part sometimes, is that your plan is not ours. It doesn't look anything remotely close to what we thought. Could we, Lord, trust you? Not talk about we trust you, but actually put our full trust and faith in you. Help us to do that, Lord God. And where our unbelief has gotten in the way, Help us, Lord God, to go beyond what we know, what we've experienced, 
And help us, Lord, to hear your still small voice. And give us a resolve to walk with you, regardless of how stormy it gets. Knowing that as long as we can hear you, as long as we can see you, we're going to be just fine. So we thank you, Lord. We love you. As we get ready to go in different directions, Lord, may your Holy Spirit tarry with us. We love you, Lord. We really do. And we praise you. And therefore, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. As the lights are coming up, as you're on your way out, find someone you haven't said hello to. Find a visitor, someone you don't know, someone you haven't seen, and introduce yourself. God bless you. You're dismissed.